songs unleashed. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Axons Unleashed. I'm your host today, Tamara Turner, because I'm taking over today. Uh, Robbie, you're getting the the second seat and getting interviewed today. 50 questions for your 50th. Holy shit. Normally, I'm the one asking the questions. Hello, everyone. No, no, no. Very, very special episode. I think we just rolled straight into that. You said, can I have a practice? And we just <laughs> haven't stopped it. Hello, here we are. Are we rolling? Are we rolling? We are now. Oh. There we go. See, one take wonder here. Now, this is really, really unique because you've got 50 questions written down there. Mm-hmm. I saw one of them that says, what's your real name? That's it. That's oh, the only question looking. I know. Stop I, looking. I, now, I, I tell this to absolutely everyone, true story, there's 50 questions there that I do not know what they are. You're going to get answers from me and looks on my faces. If you're listening to this on Spotify or podcast or wherever you go to, go to YouTube and watch it because you're probably going to see some funny shit. <laughs> Now, of course, as all of you know, Tamara's my wife. Mm-hmm. She says, this is like wife asking husband and mm. GM asking CEO and best mates asking best mates yep. shit about themselves. And you're going to learn things about me, no doubt, that you probably don't know. Let's hope they're all PG, huh? Now, you should watch this. <laughs> I'm looking forward to some of the reactions on your face. <laughs> <laughs> we do have two cameras in here today. Hopefully, they both work. Um, True. Because, yeah, we'll probably both be having the facial expressions going today. Yeah, it's a bit of a milestone right. of mine coming up 50 years old, November the 30th. So you'll be, you'll be li- so we may even go into two sessions of this. So depending on how bang, bang, rapid mm. fire the questions are and depending on whether I want to tell a story or not. Um, well, the, first, the first few are sort of rapid fire, but right. there are definitely some longer form answers coming your way too. So we'll give you a little pause. Uh, we'll get Doves to edit some of your pauses if it takes too long to think of it. But uh, in general, we'll, we'll make it fast. All right. This is exciting. I'm looking forward to it. Enjoy, right. ladies and gents, because I have fucking no idea what's about to happen. Because normally go. I'm the fucking one answering the questions. <laughs> Shall we go? Let's go. All right, your real name. My real name, uh, a lot of people don't know this. They're like, Robbie, Robert. Oh, Robbie, Robert. I'm like, no, mate, it's Robin. Do you remember when we got married? Everyone's like, Robin Paul Turner, will you ever take tomorrow, leave me more? And they're like, who the fuck's Robin? Yeah. People there you at go, our wedding were looking at you like, I've, I've known you for 10 years. I never knew that was your name. Yeah, Robin Paul Turner. All right, question two. Where were you born? In an awesome little place called Port Perry. It's about three hours drive north of Adelaide. Great blue collar working town. Fantastic place to grow up. No dickheads, I've no crime. I've never been there. Yeah, I know you haven't. You, yeah, which, there's not too much there, Tam. There's a heap of dust, there's a heap of flies in the bloody summer, let me tell you. Yeah, awesome place to grow up. Hi, shout out to everyone from Port Pirie. Question three, how long have you been living on the Gold Coast? We moved here six years ago. A um, little, quick little story. I remember it every every year that Melbourne Cup's coming up and I'm like, because when we first got here six years ago, I think it was like the 28th or 29th of October. I'm like, fuck, Melbourne Cup's in about a week. I don't know where my suit is. So I was madly rummaging through all my stuff trying to find my bag of fruit so I can put it on. So that's what I know. That's uh, six years ago. And you know what? I didn't did a, I didn't do a South East Queensland posting in my 24 years in the military, but by fuck, I know why now people come and like dig in stage three OHP going, I ain't fucking leaving this place because South East Queensland is a ripper spot to live mm-hmm. and none better than the Gold Coast, which is sitting behind me right now. All right, question four. Well, this one's a tester. How long have you and Tammy been married? How long have we been married, babe? Seven years last Sunday. 
I'm lucky, on it. Lucky I'm it on was it. recent because I don't know if you would have known that. Everyone's like, oh, the seven-year itch, hey? And I'm like, I don't fucking have an itch. I'm loving every minute of it. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a, not a very good husband to live with and tolerate, I'm sure. You don't have to answer that. But this is my comment on the question. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, as I've said in my little post the other day, in my adoring words, I said, Tammy, happy seventh, year, happy, happy seventh wedding anniversary. Thank you for putting up with my shit. You did write that. That is all. W- words of, you know, such beautiful words. Uh, oh, I don't know. How, are you going to go into this one? How did you and Tammy meet? I don't know the questions, mate. Yeah. Um, one of our young soldiers was killed in a training accident many, many years ago. Um, I was the XO of 2 Commander Regiment at that time. The CO went and saw the troops in the field. I went and saw the family. And Tammy, you were the best friend of the the widow, effectively. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's how we met. Yep. It's not how we eventually got together, but that's how we yeah. met. That's we became stay, friends first. Stay true uh, to the question. I, <laughs> you know what, ladies and gents, I, for those who have known me for a long time, I did the right thing for a change. How many dogs do you have? Two. We have two. Yes. <laughs> Oh, Amazing. Little and Hanky they're a little, and little Molly. Yeah, shout out to you, Hanky and Molly. <laughs> it's like, it's funny, you and I just got back from a week away, literally overnight, and when we're in the Uber coming home, I'm like, fuck, I wish I could ring them and just say, I'll be home in five minutes. <laughs> but they have no idea. FaceTime the kids. <laughs> uh, ooh, what were you like as a child? Uh, when my mother listens to this, as of one of the very first keen listeners, no doubt, um, she even says this to me very, very frequently every time I see her which is infrequent but she says it to me every time I see she goes you were such a little bastard as a kid <laughs> but you've grown up to be such a lovely man so I'm like yeah yeah oh, I was I was a I have heard you be, re- be um, recalled as Dennis the Dennis Menace. the Menace I was just mm. about to say that is me I was I was a shit of a kid I, yeah maybe we'll maybe we'll do a whole podcast on uh, people's upbringings another time but <laughs> but you know what I guess as I reflect I had plenty of energy um, there was a there was a bit of ADHD ADHD testing not that it was called that back then uh, I had to go get my ears test because I fucking talk so loud um, I don't know I just fucking love life and I loved life when I was a child but I just didn't direct it in the right manner uh, as much as I probably could have but I did pretty well at school I did pretty good at footy at a pretty young age went and joined the army here I am Question eight, how do you want to be remembered? Oof. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, it's my 50th, not my 80th. <laughs> um, how would I want to be remembered? I'd like to be remembered as someone who is generous, someone that gives a shit. Like if you're in my world and you and I like you, you'll fucking know about it. If you're not in my world and I don't like you, you won't hear from me. <laughs> Um, I don't need to ring someone to tell them they're a fuckhead. You just won't hear from me. And oh, apolo- but in saying that, you do have a lot of friends that you don't need to catch up with every week and you still love and adore them as oh, well. Oh, mate, that's a, as I call my wife, mate. Uh, it is definitely a trait that the military gives you a lot about is you don't need to see each other all the time. I'll see you once every two or three years. We sit with each other for like two or three minutes and it's like, fuck, we, were, you know, we spent those whole two or three years together all the time. So um, caring, generous I would say passionate. Yes, thank you. Yeah, well, I don't. I don't view myself as passionate because that, mm. you know, that's as the, as the. Here's a little saying for you, ladies and gents. Many times, the reflection you see is not the same as the shadow you cast. So I don't see myself as passionate, but you do because that's the shadow. I see the reflection. Mm. I don't like the man in the mirror because that fucking knows everything, and I try and bullshit <laughs> him all the time. And he's like, "No, no, mate, I fucking know the truth." <laughs> 
So yes, it's um, I don't know. It's a it's a difficult question. Um, yeah, I guess those two things there. If I like you, you'll know about it. And you know, the, I've got a very polarizing personality. A lot of people think, oh, Robbie Turner, fuck, he's a good bloke. I love hanging around him. A lot, probably even more people will say he's a fuckhead. I don't like, no, I don't like him at all. And you know what? If you don't like me, go and stand at the back of the line. It's very long and distinguishing. Go and say hi to all those other fuckheads while you're over there. Okay, there's going to be a few bleeps in that one. Uh, number nine. How how has your life been different from what you'd imagined? I was very convinced. So when I was in detention all the time at primary school, mm. I would they'd sit me down and I'd have to do a whole lot of math stuff or write lines. Mm. I did the lines. Yeah. I would not forget my PE uniform. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> PE is still not your strong suit, by the way. <laughs> Shut up. But anyway, um, so therefore I was convinced and one of my uncles was a very successful bank manager. I'm like, oh, I'm going to be a bank manager. Oh, oh. If I'm doing a whole lot of bloody math math stuff whilst I'm doing detention, then I might as well bloody turn it into something which I'm going to be good at. So I just thought I was going to be, you know, a, a maths teacher. And uh, maths how teacher or bank manager? Oh, sorry, I was going to be a bank manager. Thank you from all the maths I was doing. But yeah, how very very life my life, very different my life has turned out to be. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if one of the questions is why did I join the military? It is right. So, so maybe I'll, I'll leave that to the answer. But um, yeah, short answer is. My life turned out extremely differently than what I thought it was going to be. What have you learned about yourself recently? Hmm. What have I learned about myself recently? That it's okay to be imperfect. Oof. And now I've, I now I've now adopted the new saying that I am perfectly because I'm so fucking good at being imperfect. <laughs> I am perfectly imperfect, and you know what? Saying. It's totally fine. What character traits do you most respect in other people? I love um, that question. That's a good question. It is a good question. Another little saying I've got is, don't piss on my back and tell me it's raining. Mm. I fucking hate it when people look me in the eye and tell me something and I know that they're bullshitting. Mm. Mm. Honesty, integrity. Hon- honesty and integrity is a big mm. one. Now, now, have I always been honest and always been absolutely in- – uh, had the shown the highest levels of integrity in my life? No. And I bet everyone listening right now can probably relate to that and go, yeah, I've told a couple of white lies behind my, you know, behind people's backs, you know, before. So I'm not sitting here on my um, grand white stage saying I've never done anything wrong. But certainly from a uh, overall living your life point of view, just try and do the fucking right thing and you should be okay. What is your favourite thing about yourself and why? Um, I love it that I have balance in my life. You have balance? I have balance in my <laughs> life. I go fucking hard when we're here in the office mm-hmm. and, I'm, and I'm talking to clients and, you know, let's say working, mm-hmm. living my best life, mm-hmm. providing the outcomes that this business, this crazy little bloody venture that you and I decided to joint to start six years ago. I love it that I fucking give that my all. Mm. No one, every single one of you that's ever had a coaching session or a connection call or any sort of call with me when it comes to this little organisation I'm pointing to my shirt here, Axon, You'll never get off that call and go, well, I wish I had got a bit more from him. So I do love that about myself. Now, any of you that have ever gone have a beer with me or gone out and had a fucking decent night or sat and had a meal or had a buddy gone to a party, you won't leave that party and go, I wish Robbie was a little bit more um, 
boisterous or a little bit more <laughs> party-like either. So that's the balance in life. I have a fucking crack at everything. And, uh, yeah, life, stand life back and watch 100%. it. Stand back and watch it all go. All right. Question 13. Tell us a curiosity that most people don't know about you. Tell us something most people wouldn't know about you. Ooh, this is a belter as well. What do I talk about? My mum was a Sunday school teacher when we were I like... I think I knew that, actually. There you go. There's one. You're about to find out another one. <laughs> I guarantee that you will find... The answer to this question, you will have fucking no idea about either. Your mum was a Sunday My school My mum was teacher? a Sunday school teacher. And we used to say the Lord's Prayer before I we went to bed every single night. When I'm, this is like when I'm five, six, seven, eight years old. Wow. Right? So even though I... So... Shout out, Maggie. Yes. Um... So inwardly, I believed in Jesus, I believed in God, all that sort of stuff. And as I was growing up in my teenage years, and I had like a little secret thing, that I would sometimes go outside and stand on the grass and just look up into the sky and just talk to God, mm. right? Wow. And then, so that, that, was, that was me in my sort of teen, teenage years, um, even though I was still being a shithead, um, Driving the car when mum wasn't there, doing donuts out the back, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. All the stuff that teenage boys do when they grow up in the country. Because <laughs> no <laughs> one gave a, a fuck. No one gave a fuck that you're only 15 years old at the pub sink a piss. Because there was no one at the front there, buddy, making sure that you, you know, there was no one checking IDs. Put it that way. Back in the in the mid 80s. But then I had a I had a very very terrible accident, um, and a rifle went off, and my best mate, you know, basically died right right in front of me. And I turned my back on God and Jesus that day. I was like, "All fucking, why did you let this happen to me? Why did that happen?" And for that day forward, I've never ever, I've not, I don't have a fucking Christian bone in my body. And the only way that I was able to get back on the horse about that and go back to the army, pick up a gun, fire again, go to all the things I did, is I had to look at that fucking person in the mirror and go, "Right, it's you and me, champ." Fucking me and you against the world. Now the person I believe in is myself in the mirror. What a real tragedy to... Yeah, it was. It was fucking terrible. If you want to know why I'm so optimistic about things, because I saw death and was experienced in death um, firsthand at a very, very young age, and it was fucking horrendous, but mm. it shaped and made my life in the way it is now. Mm. There you go. There's that something that... definitely I, something I, I don't think many people, if any, any uh, even in the, even... Daniel in this room is probably looking at me like, whoa. <laughs> um, Here we are. Yeah. Well, well shared. All right. Uh, question 14. What are your hobbies? Um, I get the most amount of passion playing golf. Mm. I, I took up golf when I was very young, 9, 10, 11 years old. <laughs> I remember even my grandfather was like, hey, Pop, when you die, can I keep your golf sticks? And he's like, ease up. I'm not fucking dead yet. He didn't say that exactly, but that's how, what I how got. How much older was he? Oh, he still had a good 10 years left in him. 10 yeah. years? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that was good. I um, definitely, um, a hobby of mine is is um, golf. Mm-hmm. Music is a massive hobby of mine. Mm-hmm. I love getting up and putting on my favourite tunes. No one will know what they are. That's probably not even a question, so we don't need to go into that. But I, I, I live and breathe my music and I love it and it brings joy to my life. It puts a smile on my face and it just gives me the energy that I need. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I would say golf, um, golf, music. We've got two amazing little puppy dogs. They are absolutely my world. Um, so it's another one. And I suppose I'd round it out with, I just love going to have a long lunch. Mm. A long lunch of mine is good. It and fucking golf. hurts the next, the, the next day. But when you go out to lunch and get home at midnight, 
that's a long lunch. <laughs> we have been there. Um, and golf is such a hard one. You have seen me recently trying to have, you know, some lessons and I have some, a few lessons feeling good, thinking, you know, I've got this. And then next time we're at the range and I cannot hit a freaking ball. And uh, you've told me it's the ultimate uh, balancer. Leveler. Leveler. Um, and, yeah, I don't, I don't know if at if I can actually have the patience to, uh, to get that. In my opinion, learning golf as an adult is probably the hardest sport to mm. try and get some sort of decent mastery out of to give yourself some sort of enjoyment. Otherwise, you're just walking around chasing a fucking white ball <laughs> that hates you. What uh, question fifteen? What's your biggest failure, and what did you learn from that experience? Ooh, my biggest failure is this. Um, part of the reason why I got discharged from the military is I sent some smutty emails to people that I shouldn't have, and that is by so. Therefore, I got another one of these amazing sayings in life: "Don't put that in writing." So yeah, uh, lesson learnt there, ladies and gentlemen. If you are communicating, and we see it all the time. Text messages get brought up in royal commissions. Emails get bloody retrieved from fucking laptops that were bloody, you know, um, you know, taken care of many years ago. So, yeah, it's definitely a lesson learned that I would take back. It's a huge failure of mine mm. is that don't think that just because you're sending an email between a few mates inside a private group that someone's not going to read it one day and your ass is going to be fried. So, yeah, definitely that's, uh, that's, a, that's a huge failure of mine. But you know what? Mm. And, um, and you know what, the, uh, I've read them, I've read the whole lot, uh, and things that were not acceptable, but acceptable back in the day, the world has changed. Um, you know, gone are the day that I used to go to my auntie and uncle's house and in the spare bathroom there was a nudie calendar in the, in the toilet and I'm like 12 years old, like, oh my God, there's a girl with her boobs out. Um but like th- things like that, I think 80s, 90s, even 2000s, like the world has changed a lot in uh, where we are today and I think it's it's a good thing. Sometimes it can go a little to the extreme but, you know, I, I am glad that things are moving in the right direction as well. That Me too. Things are changing. Yeah, I think it's amazing. So yeah, lesson learned there. Uh, young, it, they don't need to be young, fucking everybody. You want to go and jaw off with your mates? Go your hardest. Don't put it in writing. <laughs> um, what's the best compliment you've ever been given? Well, it's got nothing to do with my nether regions, put it that way. <laughs> there you go. There's some fucking... There's some <laughs> She, oh my god, looking at Dub's face then when he lost it. You lost it as well, mate. I just saw you. <laughs> Do you know what the, the greatest the greatest compliment I think I've ever been given is just a simple thank you. Like I'm on a mission that everyone and I getting everyone I come in contact with, I want their life to be better. If we connect and we've got the right vibe and like we we're we're accepted into each into each each other's circles. Like you and I met an amazing couple up at Hamilton Island two nights ago. Mm-hmm randomly run into them on a bloody on a sunset boat cruise you guys have probably seen the photos by the time you listen to this you absolutely would have been on our stories we knew we knew a bunch of people in there and i'm like hey we we're staying at a certain resort they're like oh we've always wanted to go there before i'm like fucking come back and check it out then and like so we just did that and that's just what you and i do all the time we're Uh very generous and very giving as far as that goes 
And I just saw in both of their eyes, and they've both since sent me a message afterwards going, thank you so much, man. Thank you so much for showing us that. Thank you thank you so much for giving us an experience that we're probably not going to you know, have ourselves any anytime soon. And I'm just like, oh, good, man. No worries. Like, to me, that's a natural, a natural way to be. So, you know, there's uh, many other superlatives I could probably use there, but just a simple thank you. And I don't do it because I want to get a thank you. I don't need a little pat on the bum and a kiss behind the ear to say, oh, thanks, mate, for that. I'm like, just a simple thank you was fine. Mm. That's all you need to do. Like, What about the compliments you get for your eyebrows? What fucking <laughs> eyebrows? <laughs> we once got a Facebook comment and said, my biggest question, Robbie was like, blah, blah, blah. So, so type below your number one question. And we're thinking they're going to type about property. And they wrote, my number one question is, where the fuck are your eyebrows? And I <laughs> lost it. Oh, my God. That was the funniest. I don't know. Like they're just not there. <gasps> well, they're so there. They're very fair. They're there. They're, they're there because they fucking broke yeah. down in my eyes every now and then. But not yeah. your best compliment. But no. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It's, um, it's like the nether region. It's there, but uh, I can't really see it anyway. <laughs> stop talking about that. Oh, my God. All right. If you could go back and give your 18-year-old self one piece of advice, what would it be? Everything's going to be okay. Oof. I've thought about this before. Yeah. I've, I have stressed and worried and war-gamed and thought about and overanalyzed and then done it all again fucking 10 times more, fucking stressing about things. And for some reason, it just always seems to turn out okay. Mm. Mm. Everything's going to be okay, mate. Who is the most influential person in your life and how did they impact you? Oh, in my life right now or in my life in general? Struth. That is a fucking good one. Maybe it can be a part A, part B. Yeah, part A, part B. Um, The most influential person in my life when I was growing up was my two uncles. I thought you were going to say your pop. Yeah, they yeah, yes. Well, yeah, so my, my the older men of my family, mm. put it that way. Um, Dad wasn't really around very much. Um, Dad, if you're listening to this, I love you dearly, mate. You're still the hardest working guy I've ever, ever come across. You you just fucking won't stop, which is which has been very inspirational to me. Mm. But I also realised that, so when I was like 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 years old and Dad had come home after working an 18-hour day and he's got like six hours break and he needs to fix something on the bottom of the truck, him and I would be like, you go, come on, mate, come out and hold the torch for me. And I'm out there holding the torch at 2 a.m. whilst he's under the truck fixing shit so he can be back on the road again at 6 a.m. And I was like, fuck, this guy's a workaholic, but I am not fucking doing this. And I said to him, I said, mate, I'm not taking over your truck and your earth-moving company. It ain't fucking happening. It's not me. And I'm still fucked at swinging spanners. Who takes care of all the flat packs in our house? You, not me. Me and spanners don't go. I know how to talk to shit. I know how to play a bit of sport. There is no handyman skills coming from your direction in our house at all. And there was one flat pack that you tried to help me with. It was a bedside table and you put the drawer on backwards and I just said, fuck I am fucking (laughs) hopeless when it comes to that. So, yeah, you know – my two grandfathers and my, and my uncles, et cetera, et cetera. So they were very influential for me when I, when I was younger, uh, mentored me, taught me to do the right thing, taught me how to play golf, et cetera, et cetera. So I found that, I found that um, really, really insp- inspirational. Um, whilst I was in the military, I had a couple of really, really good bosses um, that, you know, really mentored me, especially when I was doing my transition from sergeant to captain, like, you know, how to 
let go of being an NCO and then start to be an officer. So I found that really, really influential and certainly some of those, um, you know, really, really good uh, leadership mentors um, continued on in my career as I went up sort of the, the ranks of SOCOM there. Since I've been out though, that's a bloody difficult one. Um, who's been a really influential person for me since I've been out? <laughs> Dubs is Dubs is uh, Dubs is sorry at me. sorry for the little Dig thing. Up. Yeah. Dig <laughs> up. Oh look, uh, as you guys heard me talking about before, it's been a my my transition from the military was extremely sudden, unexpected, and fucking life changing. Quite mm. frankly, mm. and I go back to the person that I used to. So it was me and the man in the mirror. That's it. So I guess I, I can't think of anyone. Sorry to disappoint you, you and the listeners as well. Okay. I can't put a thing like I follow a lot of people on social media. Or I get inspired by them, you know. And you know, we're talking about business. We're talking about personal. We're talking about financial. So I guess um, some of the things that I have collectively observed and taken on, and therefore they're a part of my being I can then pass on to other people mm. so I like to sort of inspire people as far as that goes but yeah look I'll just go back to the point that it's me me and my mirror mate where me and him with you and our puppies are on this bloody crazy thing we're called life together so yeah I've taken all those things that I got from an upbringing and a really extensive military career to shape me into the person I am now nice what's your favorite productivity hack um, the email four Ds. Mm. This is something that we have done some work with our our team with about um, you know, keeping on top of your emails. Yeah, your email inbox is not your filing system. So when an email, so first and foremost, you don't you should not um, you should not manage your day waiting on an email to come in. You have a ta- you have your task list, and part of that day should incorporate check emails. And when you're going through each of those emails. There's four things you can either do with those emails, the four Ds. Here's a, this is an awesome productivity hack for you. You either do it now because it's going to take you less than five minutes. Done, see you later, sorted. You delete it because it's not for you. You don't need it anymore. You diarise it so you can actually make it into a task and then you know therefore you can allocate some time against it or you delegate it to someone else. They're the four Ds of emails and it's a huge productivity hack. It makes... It gives me slight levels of anxiety when I see other people with fucking hundreds and hundreds of emails in their inbox. I'm like, oh, how the f-? like that's the antonym of productivity. Mm-hmm. That is like fucking swimming in a deep pool of water <laughs> or in the ocean, and you can't swim with no bloody uh, with no. No with no floaties on <laughs> but you know similarly like it's just so good when you've got like all right i've got four things in my email list and they're sitting there with a star against them at the end of each day and i'm doing them first thing in the morning or i've allocated time to do them next mm-hmm. week or whatever it's going to be mm-hmm. so yeah four d's delete sorry do it now delete diarize or delegate you're welcome mm. what habits do you have to take care of your mental health Mental health is a big one here at Axon. Um, we just last month, uh, what was it this month? We just had last a because it's only early November. Yes, we had a Beyond Blue um, uh, morning tea, and we did some table talk questions, um, asking the team lots of questions. So, um, yeah, and mental health is very much in the forefront of 
our team, being a very ADF-focused and, and defence-focused business and having 10 veterans in the business, that's something that's really important. So I'll, I'll pass it on. What's, what habit takes care of your mental health? And then, um, yeah, maybe we'll talk about some of the other habits in the team. Visualisation is a big one for me. Mm. So before I go to sleep every night, I check my calendar and check my diary for what's about to occur tomorrow, to what's, what is happening tomorrow. And I then effectively visualise and step that, I step through the day. I visualise, I'm like, all right, cool, I'm going to come in here, I'm going to clear up a few things, you and I are going to do this podcast, we just finished doing the marketing meeting, mm-hmm. you and I are going to do the podcast meeting, I've got some other videos to shoot. Like I've, I've already stepped out my day. Wow. The I, night I before. Like, I feel like that would give me more anxiety. No, 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 <laughs> because here's the thing, I can then go, like once I've finished doing that, when I come in today, like nothing catches me off guard. Nothing is a surprise. Nothing gives me that levels of anxiety or stress where it's an, un- an unknown unknown. Mm-hmm. Like that's a huge contributor, in my opinion, to mental health. People like things occurring that you had no idea about and you're literally, then you're like you're flapping and going, whoa, 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 how can I take care of this? Yeah. So that's, uh, yeah, visualisation has been a big one for me. And you hear me talk about it with our team every Friday. Reflection is also a good one. So reflect on what you've done. Like get to the end of the week. So every, every you, you progress through your week and you have some wins, you have some losses, but eventually, effectively, you should get to the end of the week in a better place you were at the start of the week. Mm-hmm. Personal, financial, business, sporting, whatever. Mm-hmm. Podcast you've listened to. And then reflect on that as well. So that like your progress that you make are almost like little bricks that go into your wall. But then when you reflect, you allow the concrete to then fall back and flow back through those bricks and solidify the progress. So, you know, when you're able to reflect on all the, on all the progress that you've made, for me anyway, it just fixed my mental health. Um, mm. I don't want to be in a state of chaos. I don't want to feel like I'm not progressing in some way, shape or form or making progress. I want to make sure I've got traction in my life. And then it just makes me feel better. Like I just, I know that I'm not just fucking wasting time. Like, you know, as you know, mate, I've been, I've been exposed to so much death. Separate to the death I spoke about before, I've been exposed to so much death in the real world, mm. um, having done 11 years in SOCOM, that I'm very, very well aware that things can be taken away at a very short mo- you know, moment. And I've got Carpe Diem tattooed on my back for a reason. Yeah. That's cool. It's, it's Latin for seize the day. And by fuck, I squeeze everything I can out of each day. And you know what? If sometimes that's just me doing nothing, then guess what? I am. That's me squeezing everything I can out of that day because I need to rest. I need to rest. I need. I, I need to rejuvenate. We just saw that, and it was actually really good for me because it's very rare that I do get to see you rest. So um, recently, on our little getaway for the long weekend, uh, you did manage some rest, so that was great. Um, Unusual you, for me, but I've learned how to do it. Mm. It's, it's been a, it's been a it's been a flaw of mine for many many years. Is Switch off, slow down, don't need to be go, 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 just chill out for a bit. I was like, but I've got so much to do. <laughs> but, you know, and, and the, the people that we have recruited and the people that we have trained and the business that we have and the reputation and the trust and confidence I have in them, as I, I point behind your shoulder because that's where everyone is, um, it allows us to go away and just chill out for a little bit mm-hmm. and just focus on ourselves. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I cut you off. You are going to say something else? I was going to say a few other things that uh, we do in the business. So uh, the gratitude. Um, every Friday we all go around and, and uh, say something that we're grateful for. I think that's really good for your mental health as well to, you know, just be present and reflect on something positive and that you're grateful for. Uh, we also talk about something that you're proud of. 
Uh, I love that one because I get to hear what people are or what things people are proud of in the in the team uh, and we do a shout out to each other. So mm. those things like I really love um, makes people feel good, good for mental health. Yeah. Um, but there's also you're you're quite focused on um, your exercise. You do that um, for I, mental health. I get a bit antsy, don't I? Like if I haven't exercised for a few days, I'm annoying. like, I need yeah. to fucking, I need <laughs> to, it's not about blowing off some steam. I just need to go and put myself through the ringer. It's just good. <laughs> <laughs> in the gym I'm talking about, ladies and gents. Um, and what else? Uh, we, we have done uh, – we're all, I think, on the journey of meditation. Uh, I think meditation is one that's – you know, it's an art uh, that you definitely need to continue practising. Uh, there's a few things that we've been learning about, uh, the transcendental meditation um, that I'm actually – I've been doing a lot more lately. I find that really beneficial. Um yeah, what, what else? I think there's a few things that the team does as well. I know that uh, exercise is a big thing for a few people. Nat loves her morning walks and meditations on the beach. Um, yeah, but mental health, there's a lot you can do for yourself and uh, also being open and honest about Just things. Just communicate, yeah. yeah. Having that open levels of, of communication. All right, let's get moving. This is not a mental health bloody uh, ther- therapy session. Sorry, you but know yes. I love mental health. I know, I know you do. All right. What were some of the reasons why you joined the ADF? Well, I had no real reason to join the ADF because um, both my grandfathers were in World War Two, but then all the generation underneath them, so all my uncles and including my dad, none of them went to went to the military. So that I, it's not as if I played cowboys, bloody cowboys and Indians shoot them shoot em ups um, at school or like in in my sort You're of up, upbringing. Footy then I was in the footy. That was it. Um, country footy in the country AFL. Fucking good for the soul. <laughs> you know, you're playing a rough and tumble AFL when you're 15 years old, playing against men in the late 80s. It was like fucking boom, elbow to the head, fair bump, play on. Um, but oh, yeah, that, so is that the reason? Yeah, probably. <laughs> but yeah, literally, uh, mum and my very dear late grandmother basically bundled me in the back of the car after I finished doing year 12. Um, yes, I do know how to read and write. Uh, back in Port Perry there, and like literally, they just went straight down to the to the uh, the, the uh, defence force recruiting. We're like, right, Robbie, we're, we're going to get you a job. So, as I sort of reflect upon it, and this is a very um, lamest terms way of putting it, they like shipped me off to the military. They're like, you need to get the fuck out of here for no other reason but we know that there's bigger or better things coming your way. So it kind of yeah. goes into the next question. What do you remember about the day you enlisted? Getting my head shaved. Oof. Yeah, getting my head shaved, and look, just having. Having that corporal jump on the bus and just fucking, like I knew it was real because everyone was all still being pretty friendly and, you know, you've been listed and that's pretty cool. And then, like, you know, there's a there's a few, um, from what I remember, fuck, what are we now? This is 1990, by the way, January 1990. Can you believe if I was still in, next year would have been my 33rd year in the military? Mate, so yeah, so I guess yeah, getting get, getting my head shot, like getting yelled at, getting bundled off the bus, and getting um, we didn't weren't marching then. Walked up to the bloody walked up to the old Lightning Lenny and getting my head shaved. Right. What are some things you remember about adapting to military life? Uh, crying to my mum after I was the first person that got the whole bloody platoon on uh, restrictions of privileges because I fucked. I can't remember what I did. I would have been calling one of the secos a prick or something because it took me quite a while to realise that uh, the rough and tumble life of being a 15-year-old, being surrounded by 
men in the footy locker was not the same as being in the military. I just thought that's what it was. I'm like, to be cool as a bloke, as a man, you should swear all the time because that's just what I was brought up around. But no, that's uh, you can't call your section commander a prick, uh, as I learned very quickly. So that's probably why I had the whole platoon on, on uh, restrictions of privileges and we had the whole platoon marching around the drill square with their packs on and then everyone fucking hated me. And rightly so, by the way. Um, so, yeah, then I called my mum and crying. I'm like, fucking take me home, please. She's like, no, you'll be right. And then, yeah, that was, that was the, the, greatest, right. the greatest gift she was able to give me. It was like, you're not fucking coming home. This is what I took out of it anyway. She would never say this to me, but this is what I took out of it. You're not fucking coming home. We believe in you. Stick it out. Everything's going to be okay. Nice. And so it did. Here we are. Was there anything you missed about a civilian life? Um, not really, because I joined it. I literally finished year twelve in the November December period of nineteen eighty nine. I was still sixteen when I finished year twelve because my birthday is so late in the year. So I was one of the youngest in the class, and literally, yeah, turned turned seven. So I'd, I'd already been accepted into the army before I was seventeen. But they're like, go away, turn seventeen, come back, be of legal age to be accepted in the military. <clears throat> and then literally six weeks later, I was at bloody Kapuka get, getting my head shaved. So civilian life to me was being a kid in school. Um, and I loved, I, loved, I loved being in school. I, I've, I've still got lots of, lots of mates through social media on, on uh, you know, females and males on, on school, friends uh, that I keep, keep in touch with. So I have very, very fond memories of being at school. But I wouldn't sort of call that being a civilian. So, yeah, my whole adult life was in the military. Um. What are some things you remember most about your deployment? I don't know if this is a good or bad, I guess. What are the most the biggest memories you have from deployment? Um, so I went to East Timor first, then I went to Solomon Islands, then I did three trips to Afghanistan with the SOTG. East Timor and Solomon Islands were pretty uneventful, but I guess when I first landed, so we were, we were on a C-17, did attack descent into TK in August 2005 on SOTG-1. In, in its current form, r- recognising there were some other forces um, in Iraq during the earlier stages of that of that particular conflict. Iraq. And I got out the back in Iraq, yeah, but w- this is land- landing in Tarankau in Afghanistan, mm. uh, the first Australian soldiers on the ground there per se. Right. In any, like, more than a couple, put it that way. Uh, no offence intended to anyone that was there beforehand. Please, fellas. And I got out the back of the C-17 and I was like, holy fuck, look at the size of those mountains. The mountains in Afghanistan with sheer rock faces and cliffs and everything. Now, I know you don't believe me, but I haven't been to the moon, but I felt like I was standing on the fucking moon with shale and rocks and shit and everything under my feet. So, yeah, I guess that was uh, – I don't need to go through my whole um, uh, deployment history there, but that was certainly something that really sticks out in my mind. That, yeah, it was interesting to – see the landscape in Afghanistan for the first time, put it that way. And everyone that's been there will know exactly what I'm talking about. Can you describe how it felt coming home from a deployment? The f- I'll talk about my first one because that was East Timor and I had some money in the bank. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the deployments were pretty, you know, very, very few and far, far between. There, were, there was no, none, of my, none of my recruit instructors were walking around with fucking gongs on their chest, put it that way. <clears throat> Because since Viet, you know, since Vietnam, sans sort of Somalia things in the very, very, you know, in, in you know during those periods, um, and some very, very other small conflicts, there was no other wars that Australia were, were involved in. Mm. So you know, certainly, um, 
And therefore, as a young digger and a young junior NCO, I was doing what every other young digger and junior NCO was doing, was living paycheck to paycheck. And that's why now on every single coaching session I'm doing, when I talk about money mindset and money habits, I'm like, if you're just pissing your money up against the wall, guess what? Guilty is charged. I used to do it as well. And Luke, our other coach, sits there and goes, I used to do the same thing. Um, so that's normal. But yeah, when I, when I actually went away and then you got paid money, paid danger money and paid no tax and you come home with 60 grand in the bank, I was like, fucking how good is this? And by the way, then you get paid, deployment pay for the first couple of pays when you get back. So the money just keeps rolling in. So I guess there, yeah, that was... Um, that was the first thing there about going away. I'm like, sweet, I'm home, I'm alive, and now I've got some money in the bank. Let's go fucking nuts. How did you change? Um, that's an easy one. My, my perspective on life changes. So when you go away on deployment, all of, the, all of the comforts of life are taken away. Mm. So I guess it's... Um, I find Still it, loves a ration pack though. Oh, fucking <laughs> loves a ration pack. <laughs> the old dehydrated dehydrated meat. I'm pretty sure that's what we feed our dogs. We do, and I think about a ration pack every single time I give it to them. I'm like, fuck. If I was hungrier, I'd probably have this. Anyway, it's um, very good quality. It is very good quality. <laughs> but yeah, look, it, it changes your. It changed my life as far as perception of reality goes. Um, you know, people, you're driving around a Westfield car park at Christmas time with plenty of money in your wallet and your family in the car, you're about to go Christmas shopping and you can't find a car park. People are like, fucking can't find a car. So there's people getting road rage in the car park. I'm like, mate, I'd fucking, I'm sleeping on the side of a hill right now with a fucking rock in my ass and I haven't eaten for two days because the Hilo Chopper hasn't come in. I'd fucking give anything to be fucking looking for a car park in Westfield. So I guess my perception in life as far as, you know, oh, I missed the fucking bin, so now I've got a bloody, you know, I've got to wait for next week for the bin. So it's all good. You're not getting shot at. Don't worry about it. It's all fine. You have used that that term a few times. It's going to no be worry. okay. No, no one's going to die. No one's shooting at us. Just fucking chillax. Uh, what phrase or word will never be the same again now that you've served? <sighs> fucking hell. What phrase <laughs> or word again? I'm fucking going to have to bloody phone You probably phone, don't know the civilian words for things because... You know, like you guys speak in another language. Yeah, now. we actually have to indoctrinate the, uh, the yeah, new well, staff actually, into the terminology of you. You guys. gave me one. You gave me one. It's the sync matrix, which is commonly known in the real world as a Gantt chart. Mm. A Gantt chart will never be a sync matrix, and a sync matrix, so like that's that's what it is. <laughs> I had to Google what a sync matrix was because I'm like, why are these guys all talking about this sync matrix? And then I looked it up, and I'm like. Oh, it's a Gantt chart, Jeez. Yeah. And then you guys are like, what the Basic fuck? Basic line chart? of operation planning, decision points, sequels, branch plans, etc. But everything to do with the timeline and you synchronise it all. Hence the term sync matrix. I use it I feel still. like there's plenty more of it, but we need to think of that one. But yeah, it's yeah. all right. <laughs> what were your first few months out of service like? Though with you, mm. that's the first bit. We moved to Sydney straight away. Lived mm-hmm. in an awesome little one-bedroom apartment in Chiswick. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a really difficult mix of chaos, which, as you heard me talk 20 minutes ago, I don't like, mm. and freedom. Mm. You know, it's part of the reason why I call this podcast Axons Unleashed. Because when you're not in the military anymore and you don't have the DFDA hanging over your head, surely you've got the normal rules of law apply. And I'm not talking about fucking turning into Ned Kelly – 
um, and go on bloody rape and pillage and steal and be a fucking dirtbag. But certainly when you don't have to put up with all the other shit that the military asks you to do for very good reason, um, you have a sense of freedom. And I feel like I, I became unleashed uh, as far as that goes. So, yeah, that was uh, that was definitely probably the biggest things. But I was also still in very much a form of chaos. You know, it, it was um, transition is very, very difficult. I've spoke about it on other podcasts. Uh, Luke, our new property coach, he's just recently gone through transition. We'll get him on your podcast very early next year mm-hmm. and he'll tell you all about the bloody transition period. But, um, yeah, it's called transition for a, re- for a reason. Sure, the guillotine drops and you go and hand back your ID card and you are no longer in the military anymore. Thanks, thanks you know, welcome to the world, Mr. Turner. Um, go get a Medicare card, etc. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, um, fuck, I've been out for nine and a bit years now and – my head and my heart still haven't fully separated. Mm, still bleed green. Yeah. What are we up to? Because we're at forty-five <laughs> minutes now. I reckon we should t- we could take a quick break. We're up to number thirty. Right. Let's do let's do thirty, and then we'll come back and do the last twenty. Sure. How did your service and experience affect your life? Oh, in the best possible way. Jesus Christ. Like I, I well, you s- wouldn't be doing what you're doing now. Yeah. Correct. Correct. Mm. And, and I, I reflect on this. So my time, even though I just sort of told you guys what my experience was about going to Kapuka for the first time, I had an awesome opportunity to go back to the Kapuka as a recruit instructor some 10 years later. And then I was that guy standing at the front of the bus saying, get the fuck off and let's go and shave your head in, in broad terms. I quickly, I quickly realised about two days in there when I thought that you just get in there to yell, yell, yell. I'm like, I, gotta, uh, I can't fucking talk. So I needed to find a better way of uh, actually getting people to be, to be motivated and energised to be able to do things. Um, one of the secos I was at Kapuka with, I saw just recently, um, one of the brigades had their sporting carnival. And he's standing there as the RSM of that brigade. And I'm like, fuck, what an awesome achievement. I'm fucking so proud of you. Um, no names, no no pack drills, but you're there now as a as a brigade RSM. What a fucking amazing, amazing achievement! And he's standing there next to him as the brigade commander with another captain. And I was at I was at Duntroon with. So it's like guys that were in similar ilk, similar cohort to me have now gone through the military and they're at the absolute pinnacle of their careers. Brigade commander RSM at, at the same time. And part of me is I'm like, hmm. If I hadn't sent those smutty emails 10 years ago, where would I be? Where would I be in the military? And like, there's a, there's a small element of comparison that jumps in there. But I quickly like then whiplash myself back into it. I'm like, I would not have gone out and I would not have had the opportunity to be in the real estate sector and created Axon with you some six years ago. And I think we're now about to tip over to $190 million of wealth that we've created in, in other people's lives. Mm-hmm. So even though those guys are achieving it and, and having no doubt such great influence and um, oversight and command leadership of those amazing org- organisations. One thing I do, two things I know, they've now spent an extra 10 years in the military, so they're 10 more years indoctrinated, which means it's going to be 10 more years harder to get out, mm-hmm. um, which, I, which I feel sorry for them for, because they're now not going to get out of the military as a 41-year-old, they're going to get out of the military as a 50-year-old, mm-hmm. which means they're going to be harder to employ They've got less real-world experience because no one gives a fuck about your post-nominals as in the military person. Like, we've just had someone else apply to have a job here and, like, they've sent through all their stuff. 
And I'm like, mate, there's no rooms that need to be cleared here and neutralize the enemy on a regular basis. <laughs> like, it's not fucking like it's good and that you know how to do that, bro. Yeah. But it's it's in the wrong context. And and that is something that we work with Soldier on about is is you know real worlding or whatever you want to call it, but um, civilianizing their military CVs and um, yeah, understanding and because you being in the military would understand what those what those things and what that rank and what that posting would involve. But as a civilian employer, then I would have no idea what that involves. I'd look at it and go, uh, yeah, okay. But the, it really does need to be translated into something that I can understand. What are those skills? What are those life life experiences that that person would have achieved from that posting? Yeah. yeah. So um, it, it was interesting to read a, a brand new resume of a of a gentleman who's just about to transition from the military to you know perhaps come come and work at Axon, mm-hmm. which I really really hope works out. But yeah, so I guess what has the military given me? It's given me the the perspective that um, have as much or make as much impact as you can on other people's lives and contribute to the greater organisation as much as you possibly can when you're serving. But then when you get out, find out who the fuck you really are. Because, you know, walk, you know, I remember proudly wearing my Sherwood Green Beret and my uniform with my major's rank on. When I joined as a young soldier, I had an amazing fucking career and I'm extremely proud of it. Mm. Even though I did jettison the military for a few years, didn't go to an Anzac Day, had to go through that purging of it yep. all. Um, but, yeah, I'm fucking absolutely back with Avengers now and I loved my time in the military and I, you know, mm. stand proud, walk, walk tall and I love every little bit of it. A bit of it. But, uh, yeah. I feel sorry for those people that do more than 25 years in the military. I almost did 25. It's fucking hard when you get out and you've got to then work out who are you when you don't have a uniform on? Mm. Who are you when you're not standing there as the RSM of that particular brigade? Like, who the fuck are you really? Because you probably join as a young person like I did. So, yeah, I guess it's all about influence and impact. But one thing I do know about the quality of those individuals is that once they do get out and they do that, they find their own passion and find out who they really are, they're going to succeed like every other bloody GC that I know, mm. which is really cool. Yeah. Awesome. Yo! Episode one. See you all back again real soon. <laughs> I'm hosting. Oh, yeah. I get to say. Oh, yeah. We'll see you all back soon. <laughs> <laughs>